Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to talk about how sulfur and manganese improve machinability and about other chemical elements found in steel and their role. Thanks, Miles. This topic is way over my head. Actually, you could say I'm out of my element. <laughs> but I know it's right in your wheelhouse, so come on, teach me some chemistry. All right. Let's start with sulfur and manganese and how they improve machinability. To do that, first we should really agree on what we mean when we say free machining. To shop personnel, free machining has several different meanings. Such as? Well, if you're the boss, you're looking for a high rate of production. I make money when I make lots of parts in a given rate of time. Low cost of production is what the business owner and accounting departments are looking for. A smooth, workmanlike finish is what the engineers and the customers expect. And as an operator, longer tool life, fewer times I have to stop the machine to change or adjust the tool, and short controlled chips are desired. Oh yeah, it's always about the chips with you, isn't it? It's always about <laughs> the chips. All right, so connect the dots for me. What does that have to do with our discussion of sulfur and manganese? The intentional addition of sulfur and manganese to steel is the most common way to achieve each of these outcomes in our shops. The grades with these intentionally added are called resulfurized steels, grades 1117, 1137, and 1144 are the most common, or resulfurized and rephosphorized, those would be the 1200 series steels. 1215 and 12L14. Added in the ladle or at the ladle metallurgy station, the manganese and sulfur combine to form manganese sulfides. These are non-metallic inclusions that are distributed uniformly or mostly uniformly throughout the steel and they're what helps the chip to actually break. So why are these small inclusions desired? Well, you're right in that you don't think that you want steel with all kinds of small particles in, but these sulfide inclusions are globular in nature, and as the tool is presented to the uh, steel during cutting, these manganese sulfides decrease the friction acting as a lubricant on the uh, cutting edge. They reduce the shear path for the chip they decrease tool wear by that reduction in friction. Basically, they result in a much better, more uniform finish. The other thing that they do is they control the buildup of edge of material on the tool. Well, that sounds like all good things. Exactly. The aspect ratio or length to width ratio of the sulfites has, has been studied. And in general, short and fat, globular ones, are better than the long and stringy ones that we can sometimes see when we're looking at the steel under the microscope. 
So what about in plain carbon and alloy steels? Uh, this is a good question. In plain carbon and alloy steels, manganese and sulfur are present at much lower percentages. It's about the dosage. In the 1100 and 1200 series steels, sulfur and manganese levels are very high. In the plain carbon and alloy steels, they're at much lower levels, but they still chemically combine to form those manganese sulfides that promote machinability. If you ever run into a heat of steel where the sulfur is below 0 0.010 weight percent, 010 is how it would show up on your, uh, on your test certificate, you will confirm this. I believe you, but I have a feeling there's more to this. Your feeling is quite correct. Manganese and sulfur are not just two numbers on the chemical cert. They are the constituents that make up the sulfide inclusions that promote the stable buildup edge on our tools, decreasing friction by lubricating that tool chip interface and improved surface finish by shortening the chip. Because manganese and sulfur are in the steel at a known quantity, they optimize our machining process. Okay, so now the boss, the business owner, the accounting department, engineers, customers, and operators, they're all happy, right? Okay, so that's sulfur and manganese, which are obviously important, but there are a lot of other chemicals in steel. You bet, and they all affect steel performance and machining in some fashion. Okay, I have a list here. Let's go through them and you can explain how each element affects the performance and what it does for machining and what steps you can take when that is encountered. It's okay, I'm ready. Like we say here at PMPA, every day is test day. Go ahead. I'm just glad I'm the test giver on this one. All right, we're gonna start with an easy one, carbon. Carbon is to steal what location is to real estate. If you want to buy real estate, location, location, location. When we're talking about steel, carbon, carbon, carbon. Carbon strengthens, carbon hardens, carbon makes the steel heat treatable. It improves the machinability up to about 0.23 weight percent as it increases the crispness of the chip. After that, when the carbon level gets up to 0.40% for alloys or 0.50% for carbon steel, we need to anneal. Carbon determines the mechanical properties, the heat treatability, and its relative performance in our shops, whether or not it needs to be thermally treated. That was an easy one. Okay, carbon is important, got it. How about phosphorus? Phos is a ferrite strengthener and it lowers ductility. Remember when I said the 1200 series was resulfurized and rephosphorized? Yep. Phosphorus helps make the chip crisp. And that's why 12L14, 1215 give you a much smoother surface than the regular stuff. The phosphorus is a ferrite embrittler or chip embrittler and gives you that smooth surface finish. But there's a caveat. What's that? 
phosphorus, because it embrittles the ferrite, because it strengthens the ferrite, it reduces the ductility, meaning that if that part needs to be cold worked after you machine it, if it's going to be crimped or swaged, staked, or planished, or otherwise cold worked, <laughs> you may find yourself looking at a small number of unexpected cracks. So it's not recommended for subsequent cold work. Okay. Be careful. All right, be careful. How about silicon? Silicon is a deoxidizer. By adding silicon to the steel, we improve the soundness. That means we're not gonna have voids or bubbles when the steel solidifies. Unfortunately, it uh, may also uh, contribute to a lower surface quality because of the uh, silicon inclusions that it creates. Silicon is also abrasive on tools. For the best machinability in 1200 series steels, you want an absolute minimum of silicon. 0.01 to 0.02 max is typical in 1200 series. And in 1144, we found the best machinability in tool life was when we had 10 max silicon coarse grain practice was specified. Some people want 15 to 35 silicon to be fully deoxidized for soundness, but they'll pay the price in increased tool replacement and downtime. All right, the test continues with copper. Copper. Copper doesn't affect steel performance in our applications with one caveat. Uh, I worked for a startup once upon a time and we didn't keep very good control of our scrap when the accounting department kind of had some issues with funding. Mm. And so we made a heater to a steel where the copper content got up above 0 0.40 weight percent. And I think somewhere in my papers, I may have a paste up of about five different Polaroid photos showing the length, the full length or width of a copper inclusion in our steel bar. <laughs> so that was not a good thing, but that's highly unusual. Higher coppers really are a clue that the material came from an electric furnace steel where the scrap is used to make up the uh, original melt. So I look at copper on a test report kind of as forensic clue, kind of the DNA as to how it was made. All right, how about nickel? Nickel, nickel is phosphorus's buddy. So nickel and phosphorus together can create a thing called effective phosphorus. Nickel is a ferrite strengthener and it also aids with heat treatability of the steel. Nickel usually makes the chip very tough to break on the material. Nickel also wants to work harden. You need to avoid dwell. You need to maintain very sharp tools. You need to pay close attention to tool nose radius when you're working in a steel that has deliberately added nickel. The other thing to be very aware of with nickel steels is you need really solid work holding. Once a nickel steel gets a little bit of cold work, you're gonna lose a lot of tools. The stuff work hardens. So nickel is, uh, 
it's something to be aware of. You're going to machine nickel steels with more care, more deliberation, sharper tools, and maybe even a planned tool replacement schedule if you want to get all the parts you plan to get at the end of the day. Okay, so next on the list, and yes, listeners, this list is in the show notes, so you can download it. Chromium. Chromium, the shiny stuff. (laughs) Chromium helps steel resist corrosion. I am so old, I remember when we put it on bumpers to make it resist corrosion. (laughs) I haven't seen a metal bumper with chrome in a long time. The higher strength that chrome imparts makes machining more difficult. The steel can be more abrasive, so again, pay attention to the tool edges and to tool wear. Okay, I'm not sure I can say this next one. Uh, Molybdenum? Molybdenum. Okay, I wasn't even close. Molybdenum. (laughs) Molybdenum. In the shop, we call it molly. I see why. Yeah. When I was growing up, molly was the gal that brought my dad the beer, but... Something different today. (laughs) Molly is what increases hardenability and actually helps to increase the tempering temperature for for the alloy steel. Molly really isn't a factor in our shops. It doesn't affect the machinability. It doesn't require any special precautions. So if you see Molly on the cert, say hi. Okay. All right, this next one I can say. Aluminum, or aluminium, as they say in the UK and Australia. There is just no stopping you. (laughs) Aluminum develops fine austenitic grain size It can also combine with nitrogen in the steel. The fine grain size helps with mechanical property performance. It also is an issue regarding machinability because it decreases tool life. So aluminum fine grain steels, you're going to be paying more attention to tool edges, tool wear, and you're going to uh, have a few more minutes of downtime as you adjust your inserts. Okay, and we're on to lead. Lead is the good guy, despite the fact that the environmental movement uh, finds it to be toxic in certain circumstances. Fortunately, our parts aren't being eaten, so we can concentrate on the benefits that lead brings to our shops. Lead has no effect in a negative way on the steel's mechanical properties and it promotes machinability by about 25%. That 25% means productivity can increase. It's something we want to take advantage of. But there's more benefit that lead adds to our shop operations. What's that? Because it reduces our uh, effort, the power required to machine by 25%, It literally requires 25% less CO2 emissions to the environment. Oh, okay. Leaded steel actually reduces our carbon footprint compared to if we were trying to claw it out of, say, one of those aluminum fine grain nickel bearing steel. Uh Uh-huh. See, and lead's always made out to be the bad guy. It's the bad guy, but it reduces our carbon footprint, reduces power, gets us more productivity, Lead is not a bad actor in our shops. Okay. All right, this next one's another mouthful. Uh, Columbium? Columbium. It's also known as niobium, 
Niobium is the IUPAC name. Columbium is what us Americans called it before the World's Fair. This is a grain refiner and that's used in bar steels, particularly in electric furnace bar steels. It's also a strengthener in what we call microalloys or HSLA steels. It functions similarly to aluminum by grain refinement and because it's a microalloy in those quantities which are a little higher than the grain refining quantities it makes the material harder and the chip tougher to machine so work holding tool dwell and paying attention to your tools is what you need to do when you see columbium or niobium on your test report okay now i said you were the one being tested but i think my pronunciation skills are being tested today next on the list is Vanadium? Vanadium. Vanadium. Vanadium is a grain refiner and strengthener. And if you don't mind a charming anecdote, when I was a lab supervisor at U.S. Steel in Lorraine, there was a bunch of feral cats in the pipe mill, a dye and tool shop, and where my lab equipment was. And there was one particularly long-haired calico cat. And she had long hair, and there were chips stuck in her tail. Oh. <laughs> so it's a cute story, but what does that have to do with vanadium? Well, there was a particularly big chip in the cat's tail, and one of our guys got a mag tester and tried to determine what the analysis was of the chip <laughs> on the cat's tail. And that cat was forever after known as no vanadium. <laughs> So, all kidding aside, vanadium is a grain refiner and it's a strengthener. It's a micro-alloying element in forging steels. It decreases tool life and makes the steels harder, making it more difficult to cut. Again, with vanadium, it's going to be about tool life, tool adjustment, and downtime. Okay, this next one I can definitely say. Bismuth. Bismuth has no strengthening effect. It's just like lead in that area. It can possibly cause a thing called embrittlement. We think actually that liquid metal embrittlement is how both lead and bismuth help the chip to separate. Bismuth improves machining and it can be substituted for lead. Steels with lead or bismuth can be run at higher productivity. Okay, last but not least, nitrogen. Nitrogen is a strengthener in steels and lowers ductility. That means the notch toughness. It improves surface finish and promotes chip breaking. Nitrogen's embrittling action allows for a crisper chip, which results in an improved surface finish. Nitrogen works against us on cold work. Again, if we're going to have a part that's going to be crimped, swaged, staked, or otherwise cold metal movement after our machining, nitrogen can be an issue. Nitrogen does not like to be cold worked. Avoid dwell with your tools and be very careful to understand the application. High nitrogen steels and crimping is not a good match. Phew, that's a long list. <laughs> it is, it's an important list. I'm so glad we went through it because, you know, it's really elementally 
<laughs> I got it. Now, you didn't laugh at my pun, but I'm laughing at yours. I want that on record. All righty. Well, thank you for the <laughs> pun and the laughter. And thank you to our listeners. This wraps up our discussion today about manganese, sulfur, and chemical, chemical elements. elements. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. Yes, thank you for joining us. Please rate and review the podcast. And if you want to make your life a little easier, you can subscribe to our podcast so you never miss one. Speaking of making your life easier, if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, why the heck not? We do lots of good stuff. Be sure to check out PMPA.org, our website, to get a glimpse of all that we have to offer. And why is PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.